Hey guys, welcome to another huge episode of Triggered, and tonight's episode is going to be extra, extra important. We have former acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker, who also happens to have been born and raised in Iowa. Obviously, the Iowa caucuses are coming up this Monday, and uh, he's on the ground there as one of my father's top surrogates, so there's a lot we're going to have to talk about with that one. We're going to tell you all you need to know about Monday's Iowa caucuses about the process. We have all the important details, all the inside baseball, and most importantly, we need you guys to all turn out. Uh, you know, I, I get it looks like we're, everything's going great, but I never want to take any chances. I don't care if we're up by two billion points like some of the polls show. We want to run like we're five points down, okay? You got to get out there. You got to turn up to vote. Uh, the media loves pushing those polls. I can't help but think it's because they want to create some of that apathy. They want you to be like, ah, oh, we got this, sit it out. So that they, you know, if you underperform by one point and you win by 25 or you win by 15, the highest number ever before was 12, right? In an Iowa caucus. So in what would otherwise be a drubbing, they say you underperform. They do the stories. There's blood in the water. The billionaire donor class goes to Nikki Haley and writes her checks for hundreds of millions of dollars. And we drag out this process. Okay. So we don't want to do that. Let's just end it on Monday if we can. Okay. I know it's going to be freezing. I think the high is going to be like negative two degrees on Monday, but it just means that it's more important. Like we run, like we're down by a couple points instead of up by a bunch. Okay. So like I always say, the only poll that matters is the one that actually occurs on election day. And that requires you, unless you're a Democrat, in which case they have other considerations and special interests, but we got to overwhelm it just like we got to overwhelm it in the general later on. And before we get to our top headlines and our interview with Matt Whitaker, I want to just make sure you're liking, you're sharing, you're subscribing, you're downloading the Rumble app so that you never miss these episodes, okay? I want to let you know that you guys make this show possible along with our sponsors. And you can also, by the way, get the show. You can get triggered on Spotify. You can get it on iTunes Podcasts. So that if you're driving, if you're traveling, if you're on the road as much as I am, you can get it there if you're not necessarily wed to your laptop, your desktop, or even your mobile device. You can just listen in. So make sure to check those things out. Subscribe to the show there. And also make sure to check out our incredible sponsors. The great folks over at Gold Co. are amazing. We're in a new year. But we see the same economic warning signs, guys. Inflation, reckless spending, global turmoil, uh, the Biden-caused disasters. Uh, we see it every day. And I simply want you to be prepared. Owning tangible, physical, inflation hedging gold and silver can help secure and stabilize your portfolio. You can help safeguard your savings and you can do it tax and penalty free. Gold Co. has top-notch customer service. They'll answer your questions. They'll educate you. They'll walk you through the whole process so you make the right decision for yourself and for your family. Again, you're looking at the markets. You're looking at what's going on. It doesn't feel good. It feels like 08 all over again. We're about to hit a wall going 1,000 miles an hour because of the incompetence. So go to DonJuniorGold.com to learn more. That's D-O-N-J-R Gold.com. Learn more and educate yourself, guys, okay? So we begin in Iowa, where the Iowa caucus is just around the corner. Like I said, it's coming up this Monday. And it's really important for anyone watching, listening to turn out in Iowa on Monday. Ignore the polls. Turn out, send a message to the rhinos. 
send a message to the never Trumpers. Let's overperform. As I said a little bit ago, you know, that apathy, ah, it looks like we're good. We don't need to do it. That's just going to fuel the other lunatic campaigns funded by a very wealthy billionaire class. That gives Joe Biden a huge advantage. Let's end this primary as quickly as possible so that we can focus on what really matters. We need a restoration of my father's immigration policies. Just guys, look what's happening all over the country right now. The city of New York is kicking students out of James Madison High School in Brooklyn. You know why? To make room for 2,000 illegal aliens. I mean, think about that. They're taking them out of Floyd Bennett Field. They're moving them to James Madison High. They're telling students at publicly funded schools to stay home. We all saw what, what a great success learning from home was uh, during COVID, right? Oh, yeah, the internet learning has been great. Our scores plummeted. Now, we're going to make room for illegal aliens by telling students to go back to those failed plans. It doesn't work, and they're doing it over and over again. Democrats don't care about American taxpayers. You have the privilege of paying for your stuff and your infrastructure and your health care and your schools and your roads. And you also have the wonderful privilege of paying for millions of illegal immigrants, many of whom may never, ever pay into that system because Democrats will prioritize illegal aliens over you every single time because that's what will give them power. They will overwhelm elections. Once they put them on the voter rolls, which is clearly their plan, that's it. They need dependence. Otherwise, the Democrat platform doesn't offer all that much. It's not just the Democrats, though, who are the problem. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley running on a Republican ticket or something, she too wouldn't do a thing about the border. She opposed the wall, and she doesn't even think that illegal immigrants are criminals by coming here. Watch the clip and hear it for yourself. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life too. They have kids too. They have a heart too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life and they're desperate to get here. Nikki Haley is more worried about being respectful towards illegal immigrants than respecting our laws, respecting you, the American taxpayer, who's going to have to foot the bill for all of these things. Nikki can't be trusted. She's a liberal globalist. That's why she's backed by people like Reid Hoffman. Hoffman is a Democrat that donated $250,000 to Nikki Haley's super PAC. Hoffman is one of the many Democrats that are backing Nikki Haley. He's backed all the major Democrats before, and now he's backing Nikki Haley. A consultant for Eric Swalwell, for example, just wrote an op-ed titled, Nikki Haley is the best hope to keep Trump out of the White House. Okay, guys, I don't know about you, but if consultants for Eric Swalwell and major billionaire Democrat mega donors and Biden donors are on your side, then you aren't a conservative. Okay, let's just be clear about that. Nikki Haley is Hillary Clinton pretending to be a Republican, pretending to be a conservative. Nothing more, nothing less. Hillary Clinton is actually the reason, I may not agree with her on a lot of things, but she is actually the reason that I made the jump. 
And so then I had to figure out whether I was Republican or Democrat. So Nikki Haley doesn't care about you. She wants power and money. She got rich from being on Boeing's board while Boeing produces planes that seem to be too dangerous to fly in the air. Boeing 737 MAX planes continue to have problems. This was a once great American company, folks. First, their planes were falling out of the sky, and now doors are blowing off of them in mid-flight. And if you're wondering what happened to this once great American manufacturing, surprise, surprise, guys, it's a story as old as the decline of America. A 2019 Bloomberg article has the answer for you folks. And I quote, the iconic American plane maker and its subcontractors have relied on temporary workers, making as little as $9 an hour to develop and test software, often from countries lacking a deep background in aerospace, notably India. Hmm. Huh. Where else have we seen this, folks? Let's ship all of our manufacturing abroad. We'll save two cents. We'll sell Americans crap while mortgaging off their futures. We'll then borrow money back from countries like China so that we can give it to pay for the defense of Ukraine while leaving our own borders totally open. Huh. It's amazing. It's almost like if you keep doing the same failed things over and over again, you're going to keep seeing failure. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Guys, if you go back decades, Boeing had a huge success with the 777, with the 757, made right here in the United States, creating great jobs for hardworking Americans that took care of themselves, that didn't need to be on government program. Years later, when the moron managerial class of consultants outsourced the making of the 787, planes started falling out of the sky, leading to problem after problem. Huh. And now we're seeing the same story with the 737 MAX. It's why Airbus, a European plane manufacturer over in Europe, is literally now beating Boeing in like every major metric, like quality control, debt, amount of planes produced, I mean, how do you blow that kind of lead, Boeing? You know how you do it? You have a phony managerial class of consultants. People, they consult. They don't know anything about the businesses in question, usually. Yeah, they got an MBA at Harvard, probably for some nonsense reason like we've been seeing about for the last thing. And they get to tell you what to do. They don't know anything about planes. They don't know the difference. We'll figure out how to save two cents. We'll make a shitty product, but it doesn't really matter. You know who's from that class? Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, right? That was his job, to convince American companies to save a buck by outsourcing key tasks, and the end result is predictably a decline in quality, a loss of American jobs. Great news for China, not so good for you. This is serious, guys. Remember when we had Darren Beatty on to talk about the crisis inside air traffic control with DEI hiring policies? Now we also continue to learn about more DEI hiring practices at major airlines. Remember that one, United? We're going to try to make sure that 50% comes from something like, how about the best pilot? I know that seems shocking. I know I must be incredibly racist if I just want someone who knows how to fly the damn plane. Not someone who got in because they checked a couple boxes and maybe there's 
a big boy in the room to teach them how to do it in case something goes wrong. No, no, no. I just want a good pilot. It doesn't seem like it's too much to ask. Just like I also want a really good surgeon, right? You know, it's not rocket science, but it happens every day. Now, even the airline manufacturers are going down these same failed roads. In fact, at the end of last year, America First Legal filed federal civil rights complaints with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission against three of America's largest airlines, American Airlines, United Airlines, and Southwest Airlines, for engaging in illegal racial and sex discrimination because they basically wanted to hire a bunch of people that were not white men. I don't know, guys. As I said, call me crazy, but I'm far more interested in whether the pilot can actually fly the freaking airplane than whether there's so-called diversity in the cockpit. By the way, if everyone in the cockpit was blue or green, I wouldn't care if they're the best damn pilots. But you can't just fake it and create that because you set out for goals. You need to end the nonsense. We see this on all facets of life these days. Liberal elites want us to accept a decline in the quality of life. And it's not anything. They don't want to do anything about it. They don't care. Just look at this. CBS News reporting on Texas busing illegal immigrants out of the state. This is their report. This is what they think is a big own on Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Watch. The plan was part of Operation Lone Star, an initiative that has bussed nearly 100,000 migrants out of overwhelmed border towns like Del Rio and onto cities led by Democrats like Chicago and New York. This issue will destroy New York City. Charter contracts obtained by CBS News show the effort has already cost the state of Texas more than $100 million. <laughs> okay, listen guys, this is literally one of the biggest self-owns I've ever seen in my life. It's literally infuriating. They make it seem as if keeping and housing these illegal immigrants in Texas in perpetuity would somehow be cheaper than shipping them out. So they're like, oh, it cost $100 million to ship them out. Oh, yeah? How much is it going to cost to keep 100,000 illegals there forever? Okay? Let's do the math. Say it costs $100 million to bus 100,000 illegal immigrants out of Texas. That's a cost of roughly 1000 bucks per illegal immigrant. You think you could house them there forever? Feed them. House them. Clothe them. Educate them. Take care of their health needs. For a thousand bucks? No, no, no. You'll be spending tens of thousands each a month. Welfare, schooling, all the benefits that Texas are giving, all the benefits the Democrats would give them in forever to be able to secure a voter base? Yeah, that's going to work out well. But CBS runs it like, oh my God, I can't... Like, it is literally the most cost-effective move possible right now in Texas. And yet... Our mainstream regime propagandists, because let's not kid ourselves anymore, you can't call these morons journalists. I mean, the fact that they couldn't even think that maybe someone could actually see through their BS uh, is, it's almost shocking. It actually shows how little respect they have for you as an individual. That they're like, oh no, $100 million, look! As opposed to like hundreds of billions if Texas were to keep them there forever. They think you're idiots. All right, guys. Meanwhile... In other news, it's been a busy week. 
The House Oversight Committee held a hearing on Wednesday on whether Hunter Biden should be held in contempt of Congress for dodging a congressional subpoena. Hunter is so confident he'll never face any consequences that he actually showed up to the hearing just to watch from a distance. He's not actually testifying. I promise you folks, if I dodged any of the five subpoenas I received and showed up to for the Capitol, I would have immediately been put in handcuffs. Watch for yourself. I believe that Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now because it wasn't long ago to my friends on the other side of the aisle um, that you also believed in the, the power of a congressional subpoena. Not long ago at all. You believed in holding those who refused to comply with congressional subpoena accountable. And as Hunter was leisurely strolling through the Capitol Hill, a reporter asked the question, that frankly should be on the top of everyone's mind. Could you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Now, I was deposed five times by several congressional committees. So will the same standard be applied? I'm not gonna hold my breath, but here's Florida Congressman Michael Waltz laying it all out. The thing that we're hearing today well, member so-and-so, congressman so-and-so, congressman Jordan, they didn't comply with their subpoenas. But let's have a quick lesson on the Constitution. Article 1, Section 6 of the Constitution, the Speed and Debate Clause, essentially protects all of us from abiding by each other's subpoenas. Otherwise, this body would do nothing but subpoena uh, each other. So... I would encourage my colleagues to look up Article 1, Section 6, and look at the case law of the Speech and Debate Clause and why my colleagues rightfully did not abide uh, by that subpoena. But let's talk about precedent for a moment of a president's son abiding by lawful subpoenas of the Congress. Donald Trump Jr. came before this body. He came before the House Intelligence Committee, he came before the House Judiciary Committee, he came before the Senate Intelligence Committee twice, he came before the so-called Jan 6 Committee, all behind closed doors where lawyers can sit down both sides of the aisle and have a conversation, go through documents all under oath, which is the precedent for any committee. Don Jr. came before committees and came before this body five times behind closed doors. What is Hunter Biden afraid of? What won't he do? Let's see what happens, guys. Let's see what happens. But the Republicans have to get tough. It can't just be guys like Mike Waltz out there leading the charge. The House has also launched its impeachment inquiry of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas for failing to enforce literally a single law out there, it seems. All of this is good but using our budget power to hold Biden accountable would be even better, okay? And we're not doing that, folks. We're not doing that. The new Speaker of the House certainly isn't doing that. There's no reason we can't use the power of the purse to force Biden to stop releasing illegal immigrants into the country, to force Biden to justify shutting down the government because he wants to help illegals before helping Americans. He wants to help them so badly. You have to wonder why. You'd have to be an idiot to not know why. Speaking of Biden, this whole Lloyd Austin episode 
puts into question who's really in charge of our government. The official story from the White House is that the Secretary of Defense was in the ICU for a week and Joe Biden didn't even know. They had someone else in charge. She happened to be on vacation in Puerto Rico and didn't bother to come back. She was essentially the acting Secretary of Defense. She was on vacation in Puerto Rico and didn't bother to come back. I mean, seriously? I mean, imagine this was the Trump administration. I mean, I'm not sure if I believe that story, it's, it's so insane. But if it's true, it suggests that either Lloyd Austin isn't that important or Joe Biden isn't in control. I'm thinking the guy who can't find his way off a stage is the one who probably actually isn't in control. Maybe the Pentagon and the deep state are just saying, hey, we don't have to report to civilian leadership. We don't have to follow the basic tenets of the Constitution. We're the deep state. We're in charge. We'll show them. I mean, it's not like we're not on like, you know, multiple wars going on around the world. I mean, who needs a secretary of defense? Sure, China probably knew that he wasn't there. But Joe Biden didn't. Well, guys, finally, the Georgia case against my father is falling apart. It came out this week that Atlanta District Attorney Fannie Willis allegedly hired her lover. <laughs> he can't make this up anymore. As the special prosecutor. And he, in turn, profited in the case for about $654,000. Get this right. Her office paid an outside special counsel who's never prosecuted a criminal case, $654,000. Didn't use one of the criminal people that work in the DA's office to actually do that. They then went on lavish vacations together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not a glitch. You heard that right. Okay. Not only that, but we've learned that both he and Willis have had meetings at the White House. Why on earth would they need to have meetings at the White House unless they were trying to line up their attack with Joe Biden against his leading political rival? Oh yeah, no guys, this isn't Banana Republic stuff. Not even a little bit. Again, put on your, if this was the Trump administration hat for about five seconds, and you realize that this should be a really big deal. This alone should disqualify that case because they're all nuts. This one's just even worse. But this is democratic politics in a nutshell. They corruptly profit while abusing power, while targeting their enemies, while pulling the Stalinist tactics that they've been doing over the years. It's the Hunter Biden versus Don Jr., Joe versus the father, the corruption never stops until we make it stop, folks. And that's on us. So before we get to Matt, I want to thank another one of our great and brave sponsors because it does take guts to support programming like this. We need to support companies that have the guts and are willing to do that. It's not easy. They will go after you. So we got to support those businesses rather than continuing to feed the woke mob within corporate America. So this one's for the wellness company a leading provider in emergency medical kits. Like we saw with COVID, supply chain chaos, lockdown, Fauci failures, it can make it harder to get the medicine that you need for your family in a time of crisis. With the Wellness Company's emergency medical kit, you're empowered to take control of your health. The kit includes eight life-saving medications, including amoxicillin, z pack Invermectin, to keep on hand. 
along with a guidebook for safe use. So from tick bites to COVID to extreme public health outbreaks, every scenario is covered. Avoid the high costs, the hospital wait lines, take control of you and your family's health needs. Go to TWC, like the wellness company, twc.health slash triggered. Okay, just like the name of the show, twc.health slash triggered for a 15% discount on the emergency medical kit. That's twc.health slash triggered. Check it out. Be prepared. Okay, support our sponsors. It matters. So between donjuniorgold.com, if you're looking to diversify your portfolio, twc.health slash triggered for the wellness company. Support those sponsors. Take care of your family in the process. Take your own destiny out of the hands of the lunatics that are in charge. Own it. Okay, with that, folks, joining me now, former acting attorney general, a senior fellow at the American Cornerstone Institute, Iowa's own Matt Whitaker. Matt, first off, uh, you know, I want to hit with you, you know, as a former acting attorney general, the legal insanity we're seeing in our justice system is is really, I mean, it, it's special. I mean, this is third world banana republic stuff. But this week, there was a hearing on the issue of presidential immunity uh, where two judges, I mean, they sounded like they're DNC, you know, non-legal comm staffers asking like absurd hypotheticals. Can you lay out you know, what that hearing was about and the doctrine of presidential immunity? Because, you know, the the media does such a good job of obscuring reality. I mean, I think if we talk about other presidents, what this would mean, um, you know, if they did this. I mean, uh, you know, do you go after President uh, Barack Hussein Obama for dropping a bomb on an American citizen? And I mean, by that, you'd say, hey, if Trump was back in charge, you could prosecute him for murder, because he's not immune from these things that they actually did. Uh, what, what's happening here? And you know, can you get into the details for those who you know don't have the legal background? Well, there's so much uh, to talk about, Don, and I really it's an, it's a great honor for me to join you on your show and all your success. And you know, I I, I love uh, anytime we can see each other. But you know, since you and I are pretty high profile surrogates, if we're together, like, if we're in the same room, we're wasting our time. We need to be in other rooms. We need to be right. where the other person yeah. can't be. So I look forward to uh, you know we're, we have some fun in Iowa today. But uh, you know, we got we got to run around and uh, so hopefully our paths will cross. Yes. But I think you're right. So there's two things going on, like right now, as we're talking. I think the first thing that I, that I that demonstrate this two-tier system of justice more so than anything is the Hunter Biden situation. And I, I'm going to say it's mostly the contempt of Congress because that's the issue, but there's so much else going on with Hunter Biden. And I just want to say, Don, you know, if you had done one-tenth of what Hunter Biden has done uh, in, in, in taking advantage of his dad's presidency, you know, you you would I mean you'd be the, the media would smoke you so fast. It's I can't even I can't even wrap my head around that. I, I always say so, I'd be at Gitmo and like my father would have sent me there. Like it wouldn't even be like it wouldn't right. even need the Democrats. If I did that, my father would have sent me there because that's what like a father actually does. It's clear that Joe Biden you know wasn't much of a father, didn't do much to raise his kids. I, you know, I, I you know. I, I don't know about it. The other brother, maybe he was fine, but it seems between the daughter and the son, it, it, I don't know what was going on there. It's kind of a disaster, but 
you know, hey. But, 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 the, but the Hunter Biden contempt situation, uh, you know, Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon held in contempt, Department of Justice prosecuted him, judges sentenced them, uh, not going to happen to Hunter Biden, uh, and the, the, the left and the mainstream media will try to convince you that there's somehow a distinction there. There's not. Oh, well, they'll they'll also say, hey, no, he showed up today, even though he was only in the audience, right? Like they're they're working the legal loopholes, right? He showed up yesterday uh, to the hearing and therefore he showed up. So he's not in contempt. He would have answered a question if actually asked. Like, it's such a lie. If I did that, you know, trying to exploit the legal loophole, I'd have been arrested on the spot by the Democrats. They'd have put, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, the Capitol Police on me. I'd have been arrested uh, and and held there in all likelihood. But, you know, you're Hunter Biden. You're a 50-year-old toddler. Uh, I I think, actually, Nancy Mace probably said it best. You know, he's the epitome of white privilege. Uh, You know, I I don't actually believe that exists uh, for perhaps guys like you and me. You know, if you're a straight white Republican male, uh, there ain't no white privilege anymore. It's it's the exact opposite. But, you know, if you're Hunter Biden, uh, it it seems to exist uh, in in plethora. It does. And, you know, I'll I'll remind those that are actually of of fair mind um, in this, uh, you know, constitutional republic that you showed up twice. No, I showed up five times. And answered all their questions. I showed up five times. Okay, House Intelligence, House Judiciary, Senate Intelligence twice, and, you know, the unselect sham January 6th committee. Uh, 50 hours of testimony. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying... You know, we've talked about this a little bit, and you know this uh, well. You know, they well, he'll do the public hearing like that's more transparent, where it's opposite, right? You get five minutes, then a Democrat gets to redirect, and he can do his sob story, not ever answering the question. When you do the behind closed doors, you're being asked questions by lawyers, not just the congressman who's looking for a Twitter soundbite because they know when they're on TV, but people who have been intimately studying these cases, getting into the details. So they're trying to create the illusion of transparency by saying, no, we'll do the public hearing, knowing that you get like two hours, it's five minutes back and forth. By the time you get through the, oh, uh, you know, I'm a drug addict. You know, he feels so bad. He gave back exactly zero of the money he stole, you know, minor details like that. But they're trying to create that illusion. And of course, the, you know, the mainstream media, journalists, uh, they shouldn't be called that anymore because they're just regime propagandists. But, you know, journalists will carry their water and give you the sob story about why it's so different and how brave he is for for showing up to the public hearing when it's it's literally just a lie. I mean, you, you've been, you've been there. You you've seen this. The public hearings they're a joke. The behind yeah. the closed door stuff. You know, when I was getting drilled by you know lawyers from Senate Intel for nine hours straight. Uh, you know, when your life's on the line because they want to try you for treason, uh, it's a little different. It's a little different. And of course, he's unwilling to do this because there probably is no real good answer that's not criminal or doesn't implicate him or his father as to why they were getting money from China, why the grandchildren were taking proceeds from the CCP and other corrupt regimes around the world. I mean, there is no answer. And that's why they're doing this, of course. Yeah, but let's get to your question. (laughs) I think this is important context. I mean, it's really important to understand how different it is and how we as conservatives, as Trump supporters are treated entirely different. And we're the ones that show up. We are the ones that are transparent. We're the ones that answer the questions. We're the ones that have nothing to hide. The left, the Biden administration, the Biden family, they got plenty to hide. They're not showing up, but they're not going to be held in contempt. They don't have legitimate claims of immunity or whatever else. But this, this, this hearing... 
I, I, you know, if you talk about banana republics, you talk, talk about third world countries, what would the party in charge do? They would, they would have an appearance of transparency. They'd have a majority of their own court appointed, their, their own presidentially appointed judges hear the cases to make sure that it, you know, again, the American people think that yeah. this is somehow fair, but those really, two hear Biden the case judges, while on our iPads playing Tetris or something like that, you know, it, like they're not really listening because it's, it's a pre-baked conclusion, just like it's pre-baked in New York and probably pre-baked in Atlanta. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that Atlanta case has got really interesting suddenly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I covered that pretty thoroughly in my opening monologue, but it, I mean, you know, again, if, if this was you, you know, when you were acting attorney general and you behave this way, you, you'd have been impeached in about half a second. Yep. Uh, you know, before the allegation dropped, before it was even proven, it'd be out. But they're like, oh, you know, we're just not going to talk about that. We're just going to. Kind of like a perfect phone call, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost strange how that works. It's like, oh, well, now once the actual transcript leak, all of a sudden. Well, you know, but we're already in the impeachment process, so I guess we got to see it through. I'm like, but the entire premise has been proven to be a lie, but that didn't matter because they don't care. They don't no. care, but they're playing a different game than us. So, I mean, talk about that, though, the concept of presidential immunity. I mean, yeah. I, like, it, it, it's, I, this is a really, really slippery slope for someone to function in a government, especially when it, the politics is as, as divisive as it is these days. Like, you know, I, I don't believe the Democrat Party actually has America's interests in mind anymore. I, I think they did. I think, we, you know, in the past, you know, Kennedy's Democrat Party, they did, and they thought about these things. And, you know, we there was nuance as to where we wanted to go, but we knew we, we wanted to be as a country. Just based on immigration and all of the other things that they're doing alone, it's, it's clear that American citizens are second-class citizens in their own country. So if you open this door... And again, maybe it doesn't matter to the Democrats because they understand that Republicans actually believe in the Republic. They believe in the Constitution. They wouldn't overstep those bounds. Uh, it's clear the Democrats don't care about that anymore, but it, it seems really scary for the future of any president uh, if this became commonplace to just say, hey, we're going to go after you for you know a mistake that something happened in the military or whatever it may be. Yeah, and, and you know, presidential immunity. You typically, um, because again, you can't have uh, presidents try to make these decisions and then be sued, held, you know, uh, criminally liable for things that they do in their capacity as president of the United States. And obviously, you're always president of the United States uh, from the time you're sworn in until the time you leave office. And 24/7, you are the president. There's no like, you know, personal time or yeah. time when you're not being the president. And so, you know, there's always been this just a generally accepted concept that, you know, your, your actions as president have immunity. And now the left has decided um, that they're going to, I guess, you know, find the where that line is drawn, uh, no one ever thought there was necessarily a line there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's Trump derangement syndrome, right? We see it play out that the left is, uh, you know, is always because they're always trying to take down your father because they know uh, with his experience for him to be president again, he's going to fundamentally change this country for the better. He's going to have a work on behalf of American families and the American worker uh, and he's going to put Americans first, uh, as he did the in his first term. And so, you know, they are obviously that is existential for the left uh, and their, uh, you know, slop and, uh, you know, grift that they do, um, you know, at in Washington, D.C. So all that being said, you know, this case, uh, obviously, I don't think the D.C. Circuit Court that just had the hearing 
is going to be the law of the land. Ultimately, the Supreme Court is going to take this case up and they're going to define, you know, if there are bounds to presidential immunity. And if so, what are they? You know, the one thing I would point out that had everybody, you know, hot and excited, uh, you know, on CNN and MSNBC was this idea of ordering SEAL Team 6 to murder a political opponent. Well, okay, Guess what? Of course. I mean, give me give me a break. Like if that's your best example, like that ain't that ain't going to happen. You know, your dad would never do that. I mean, no, but, but you know what? I'd like to see if if they actually get this done and the Democrats get their wish. I, I want them. You know, I want them to prosecute George W. Bush for killing hundreds of thousands of people in the Middle East for starting a war over weapons of mass destructions that did not actually exist. I want them to prosecute Obama for droning American citizens. I mean, that's, you know, that's what we're opening up. Uh, you know, well, well, you know, what's the difference between the honest mistake and not? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems, I guess, just depends on the, the nature of the adversarial relationship that you have with your political opponents. That doesn't seem like a legal standard we want to open up. That seems like Pandora's box. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Absolutely is. And, you know, this is what the left always does this. I mean, they did swim with impeachment. They, they're doing it with presidential immunity, you know, they're always, again, trying to weaponize these things. And it's going to come back. And, you know, and, 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 I, and I, I think as Republicans and as conservatives, I th we believe in sort of moral absolutes and the rule of law and, and what the left, you know, must laugh at us when we stand for something, because they don't stand for anything other than raw political power and whatever it takes and whatever is politically expedient. Uh, to get that power. And 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 again, it's going to come, what goes around comes around. And I worry, um, you know, really about the future of our country, if that's, if that's really where they want to go, because, you know, this, this is not going to be any fun for anybody. Well, well, it clearly is. And you're, and you're right. You know, we sit there and we worry about defending the Republic, uh, you know, and we, we get in arguments, you know, the difference and they're, you know, they're significant, but we'll sit there. I see it in the comments on here. Uh, you know, we're not a democracy. We're a I was like, I know everyone understands. Like, okay, democracy, they, they, the Democrats push the idea of democracy because they want to be able to vote away your rights eventually, as opposed to a constitutional Republic. So, you know, everyone gets that difference, but we sit there and argue about that while the other side is sitting there being like, they're laughing their asses off. Like the notion of, the Republic or a democracy, you know, big D, little D, however you want to look at it in legalese, like they're laughing their asses off that we're making these arguments and they're trampling all over that shit, like with reckless abandon, it means nothing to them, but you know, they'll let us get mired in these arguments and you know, they'll do whatever it takes to win. And, and you know, I, I'm not saying I want to play the game that way. I just don't know if there's an option at this point uh, to play the game the way we've been playing because you know, you, you can't play it. You know, that's like a Kiwi football team going up, up against, you know, the 84 Bears. It it doesn't work. It, it's not. Or men and women's sports. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, no, it, it it's crazy. I, you know, so we, we have touched on this one a little bit. I, I want to get your take. That, you know, the Fannie Willis Fulton County, uh, yeah. you know, she's now been accused of hiring her boyfriend, right, to prosecute my father. He's a guy that's never actually tried a case criminally. Uh, was brought in uh, to do this, paid, I believe it's $654,000. Uh, he had hour long, hours long meetings, I think eight hours billed at the Biden White House. I'm wondering why that could be. That doesn't seem uh, like it's above board or there would be any reason for that. It's almost like they're colluding with the White House to rig an election. Where, you know, uh, seems like a whole litany of ethical conflicts of interest. You know, 
what more from a legal standpoint do you do you see that's going there beyond like sort of the obvious like i mean you don't i don't think you have to be a legal scholar to be like what the hell is going on but does it matter i mean wouldn't this be grounds just to throw that out to begin with at this point i mean yeah well first of all there's no doubt that the biden white house is the puppet master in all of these cases whether it's the new york uh, attorney general, whether it's the Fulton County prosecutor, whether it's Alvin Jack Bragg too in New York and his prosecutions. There's just no doubt that the White House is the puppet master uh, pulling all these strings and really, quite frankly, I think trying to affect the timing of how all these cases go down leading up to the election. Classic election interference. You know, the the allegations uh, are, are crazy, but at the end of the day, uh, it's very simple. You know, she, uh, the Williams uh, wants more money. She doesn't make enough money as a prosecutor. She's dating a guy that's a lawyer. She figured out a way it looks like to funnel uh, money to him so that her lifestyle can be improved. And yeah, no, just so we're clear, guys, they went on lavish vacations together. So she paid him almost three quarters of a million dollars in the last year to prosecute my father criminally. He's never prosecuted a criminal case. They're then going away on lavish vacation. I mean, I- yeah. I, it, it's it's mind blowing. It, it's mind blowing. But again, in, in Fulton yeah. County in Georgia, like who's gonna what what what's the check and balance here, uh, Matt? Because I, I think that's the real problem, right? Our our whole foundation, our you know, there's checks and balances, right? The executive branch, you know, you have that. You have the legislative branch. You have a judicial branch. You have three branches of government designed to sort of uh, keep each other in check. Once you get to some of these state levels, and there's a reason. You know, they're trying these in New York State, in Washington, D.C., not federally, uh, where at least you have the option of bringing it up to the Supreme Court in Fulton County, Georgia, like, you know, 97 percent Democrat Fulton County, Georgia or whatever it is. But close. Uh, There's a reason they're venue shopping. Uh, You know, they're they're essentially jury tampering by knowing that there's almost no chance you get someone on a jury who would either agree with Trump or even if they did agree with Trump, would risk life and limb to be the guy in that town to let Trump off, right? You think in New York City, you could be a MAGA Republican, you end up on that jury, like you, you wouldn't be able to show up to your kid's school again if you were the guy to release Trump and everyone knows it. What's the check and balance here? Well, first of all, we don't have that problem in Iowa. We got a lot of MAGA Republicans here, but that being <laughs> yeah, But they ain't said, bringing no, these cases in Iowa. Yeah, it's a little different. I know. But that being said, you know, the check is obviously the Fulton County elected officials and they're all, you know, left wing crazies. And I think ultimately the state legislature in Georgia and the governor, Governor Kemp, you know, is going to have to take control of Fulton County one way or another. It's 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 a shame. I know that I just was, you know, with your father in Iowa uh, this last weekend. And he talks about how we need to take federal control of Washington, D.C. for the same reasons is that, you know, it's political failure. And it's, you know, it's people that are incompetent, that are using their positions of power to uh, not help people's lives, not to make people's lives better, not to lower crime in Fulton County, but to, you know, score political points uh, with their overlords at the White House. And these are uh, these are serious, serious concerns. But ultimately, the people of Fulton County are going to have to rise up. 
uh, and eliminate these people uh, who are. Oh, but you know, will really... they? I mean, I mean, it's sort of like the open border, right? Like, yeah. oh, we have no control. Come on, it's like, like you know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Oh, you can't say that. That's the Great Replacement theory. I'm like, no, it's the Great Replacement reality. Like, of course they're doing that. Like, there's no other reason for it. They're saying this. I mean, there was what was it? One of the ladies in New York, you know, uh, elected official there. No, 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 we need more people illegally here because of the way the redistricting work, I got to put those people in here so they vote for it. I'm like, wait, what? Like, they're they're not even pretending that's not exactly what they're doing anymore. At least, you know, in, in the past, they could, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Like, we're not really doing that. But, like, of course they were always doing it. You know, they, they got to do the racial trope thing because the media will say anything that the Democrat Party wants it to say. Doesn't mean it's not actually happening. Doesn't mean it's not true. But that's exactly what's happening so i the problem is you're not wrong but i i, yeah. I don't know that they ever actually care I, I you know i think that oh politically we'll get what we want if we get a bigger handout we'll keep voting the same way it doesn't matter they could be failing us you know now we're going to flood an already packed uh you know school system all across the country yeah. with more illegals many of whom don't speak yeah. english won't make effort I, I have friends that have kids in public schools and places and two days a week they all of their classes are in spanish because it's that heavily weighted. I'm like, wait a second. Like, so you actually have to learn how to speak Spanish to get an education in America? Like, I don't care if you take Spanish as a class. It's probably a fairly useful language. But, like, we're, we're, we're putting them first. You know, we're throwing out kids in New York schools. They're going to go back to home education so we can house illegal immigrants in the, in the school. Like, what is going on? Like, we're literally second-class citizens in our own country. Yeah, and, and you're right, but I think the voters in Fulton County are probably willing to put up with a lot uh, in this prosecutor and going after Donald Trump. However, I don't think anybody, no matter whether you're a Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, nobody likes to have their money stolen and and put in the pockets of your boyfriend. And it's that simple. Uh, so, and then on you know on the border, um, you know the, the fix is very simple. We you know we all see it with our own eyes. We know why the left is doing this. Um, and, you know, it is to get a new uh, lower class of Democrat voters uh, with, you know, uneducated, unskilled um, folks, uh, unfortunately, which hurts black communities significantly, by the way. And Hispanic um, communities. I mean, it actually yeah. hurts the lowest income earners who were finally they were seeing real gains for the first time in a long time under Trump. And this is gone. You know, and the, yeah. the question like, do those communities, I think I think they get it, actually, in the Hispanic community. You see so many of those people, they understand it. You know, I, I feel like, you know, the thought leaders of some other communities, though, are so far entrenched uh, in the Democrat Party. Uh, they've been so on the payroll for so long that even though it's happening, it's sort of like union leadership in the auto industry. It's like, ah, oh, we don't care if we send all the, your jobs to China and, you know, electric vehicles. We're going to support the Bidens and the Democrat Party. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, you're literally funding your own demise. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think that's probably more predominant in the African-American community. But, you know, are, are they getting it? Will they get that message through eventually? Yeah, I don't think any doubt Hispanics do. And I think, you know, the best... Uh, person to explain that is your dad, who's doing exactly that and is explaining how these policies of the left are hurting all Americans, blacks, whites, browns, you know, everyone uh, that was here, came here legally. You know, some of, I know that some of your uh, father's best supporters and, and most uh, ardent uh, voters are first-generation immigrants that came here legally and lawfully and have lived the American dream. They understand 
what he created and what he will protect. And, uh, you know, nobody uh, except these radical leftists would support these open borders. And, you know, I remember uh, so much when I worked with him, uh, we focused a lot on the policies like remain in Mexico, uh, safe third country, all the things that were working uh, in the Trump administration. And again, we're going to have to just do that even more when we come back and, and, and solve this problem again. And then hopefully we can get just a, just a peppercorn of help from Congress uh, to, you know, to make our, especially our asylum process work where not everybody can say, claim asylum and then wait for eight or 10 years to get a hearing. And then while they're waiting, stay in the United States and work with a, with a, with a green card. Yeah. So it, it well, I guess uh, moving on to like this thing in Colorado, right? There's sort of another big one where you have, you know, a, a leftist, like a secretary of state sort of acting on their own uh, to do that. Now the, the Supreme Court is going to hear the literally insane Colorado ballot case, but can you lay out the legal issues there uh, and where the Colorado Supreme Court completely uh, misapplied Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and what yeah. that is for our viewers? Because, you know, this one's sort of like, you know, we're, we're doing the... Hey, he's back on the ballot victory lap. But the reality is this is a radicalized leftist uh, in there. If the Supreme Court put it on pause, she would definitely take Trump off the ballot if they could do that again. Uh, you know, it's not the win we think it is. It sort of stayed because it's in the Supreme Court. Uh, but it's not quite as simple as sort of, you know, some people on the right are making it, you know, in a clip for Twitter. Yeah. And I think, you know, the main case uh, isn't ripe yet. Uh, that secretary of state made the decision that has been uh, appealed to the courts. And so that, that's going to have to work its way through the main courts. Uh, obviously, the whole game right now is the Colorado Supreme Court decision that has been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And, you know, there, there's a lot of legal arguments that 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 Donald Trump wins on. Uh, I think the one that the Supreme Court is going to try to and, and John Roberts, the chief justice, is going to try to coalesce as many justices as possibly even a, uh, even a, uh, all of them, all nine of them, is this idea of, of due process is, is first of all, um, you know, the our, section three of Article 14 isn't self-executing. Uh, section five, if you read the entire amendment to the 14th Amendment, uh, the entire amendment, it says that Congress has to pass laws to effectuate and execute, you know, this 14th Amendment. They did with the insurrection crime. Donald Trump has never been charged with that. Uh, and yeah, that, that's you know, the big but, thing, right? I mean, I, I could see yeah. the Colorado case or, you know, perhaps perhaps the main case. That one was even more crazy to me because it wasn't like it was based on legal. You have a, a secretary of state who's not even a lawyer saying, I watched some YouTube videos and therefore I am unilaterally deciding this. You know, again, while, while preaching for democracy, one person in a state of millions uh, decides that they can by themselves remove someone from a ballot. It's insane, but you know, but reading the letter of the law never seems to matter, right? Just like the left yeah. seems to conveniently always forget, like the whole shall not be infringed, you know, from the Second Amendment, right? Like, I don't know, man. It's you know, if you had to write it as if you're explaining it to a three-year-old, maybe you use another word other than infringe. But basically, uh, if you have more than like a third-grade education, that one should be pretty clear, and yet it doesn't matter. Yeah, and you know, I think the the court is also going to look at this whole idea of due process uh, in connection with you know what the how how Section Five of the Fourteenth Amendment interacts with Section Three, and that is the bottom line is you know Colorado trial court had a slapdash hearing. There was no ability to subpoena witnesses, no ability to subpoena documents, no ability to um, uh, 
do discovery. And so there was there was no due process in your so your father had really no ability to um and and no legal standard. It was yeah. well, and really the, the due no. process was yeah. was the impeachment where he was found not guilty. I mean, that's what people don't understand. It's like if if he was found guilty there, that's the premise. That's the point at which then maybe something like this would have merit. But if you're actually impeached, found not guilty, that's where it's supposed to happen. That's the check on the executive branch that we were talking about earlier for checks and balances, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And remember how um, the Colorado court case even came about. That was that the secretary of state was sued uh, for not doing their job by keeping, uh, you know, the yeah. President Trump off the ballot. And so it's a really convoluted legal argument where they contort themselves into this 14th Amendment. Again, the Supreme Court, uh, the you know, smartest lawyers, arguably, uh, that America has. And, you know, they're going to make quick work of this. I, I just I think I think what everybody should do is as much attention that was given to that uh, D.C. Circuit Court case. Yeah. Uh, recently, and everybody listened to the audio. Everyone should listen to the audio of the uh, Supreme Court hearing on the 8th of February, because uh, John Roberts and, his, and especially Clarence Thomas and and Alito and some of the conservative rock stars will eviscerate the Colorado, um, you know, uh, advocates for that position. Oh, so that's, I mean, OK, so, you know, obviously Alito would be great. Obviously, Clarence Thomas. You think John Roberts will be great on that one? Because, I mean, you know, as, as a conservative, it feels like he's sort of the guy that, eh, you know, often gives well, the other side what they want. Because, you know, yeah. so make, you're you're not going to hear me defending uh, John Roberts. But that being said, he is reflexively center right um, and, you know, has typically come out. Uh, you know, for example, on Dobbs, which, you know, reverse Roe v. Wade, you know, he concurred. He didn't go all the way as the majority. But, you know, you have the, the three judges that your father appointed uh, are really good. I don't think they're as good as Alito Thomas, uh, but they're really good. And so, you know, you have a solid block of five. John Roberts is, if anything, going to try to affect that decision just to get as many judges. And so you may end up with like a Sotomayor or... I'm guessing Katanji Brown is not going to be there. It, so it might be an eight to one. I yeah. don't see her vote ever voting for anything that helps Donald Trump. But yeah. that being said, I, I think there's some pretty good judges there. And I think the hearing is going to be must. Well, I mean, they should broadcast these things. And this is a whole different issue because I think it's ridiculous that these federal courts aren't don't have video feeds coming out of these courtrooms. But that being said, you can listen to the audio and it's going to be must listen to on February 8th. All right. So now. If we're turning to Iowa, right? You're born and raised there. Iowa caucuses are on Monday. Uh, you know the state well. Uh, can you give us a little bit of the lay of the land? And then honestly, really, you know, for those who are watching, it's not, you know, if you're not from Iowa, you can't vote in the caucus process, but can you explain how the caucus process works? Uh, you know, people are used to just sort of, you know, they show up at a primary in the vote and you know, other places, but it's a little bit different in Iowa. Can you talk about that, that process yeah, and talk yeah. about the lay of the land and what you're seeing? I think, first of all, we're feeling really good about the campaign we've put together here in Iowa for President Trump, um, but we can't take anything for granted. We need every single person to show up. Uh, it's it's only going to, you know, it's going to be a minus four degrees. Uh, that day is going to be the high, and you've been here in this state when it's cold. Uh, however, thank God for global warming, right? I mean, imagine how cold it would be if we didn't have global warming. Exactly. And so... Uh, 
I feel like we just need to encourage every single Iowan that supports President Trump uh, to return to the White House, shows up, you know, be there by 7 p.m. Uh, the caucuses, doors open at 6. Nobody can come in after 7 caucuses are called, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's a more of a meeting and it's, and it's a, it's a party. It's a Republican party, um, organizing function. And, and then a straw poll attached to that, a preference poll for president that are then reported. And that, that should come out by about 10 PM local time, which is 11 Eastern, um, that we should have the results and we should have, you know, we should expect a big win. 12 points here in Iowa is the biggest margin of victory in a competitive caucus. And that was Bob Dole, in 1988, actually, I went to my first caucus in 1988 as a senior in high school and got extra credit in my government class uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a fun little trivia matter. But the, um, you know, we are get, taking nothing for granted. We are in every county. We have, uh, you know, the president is here. Uh, he is not taking Iowa for granted. We're getting great crowds. Uh, we're going to places that, you know, typically would not host a Donald Trump event, you know, and we're going to Newton. Uh, We were just in there last week and we're going to Indianola. We're going to uh, Atlantic, Iowa. So we are going to be everywhere and make sure that we motivate folks to show up on Monday, Uh, you know, get there between six and seven. And you don't, you know, if you're a Republican Trump supporter or a Trump supporter that is registered as a Democrat or a independent, you can change your registration. You can register to vote that day as long as you're a citizen and qualify to vote in Iowa. So it's a, it's exciting times. Uh, we, we have a really good campaign. It is, we are rocking and rolling and uh, it's going to be exciting to, you know, have everybody here on Monday to celebrate. Yeah, no, it's a big thing. I, you're, you're, I, I talked about the apathy earlier. Like we can't be like, you know, I, I don't like it actually when the campaign puts up holes. I almost feel like some of them are aiding and you know, abetted by the media who want you know, you, you said it best, you know, Bob Dole won the highest ever margin in an Iowa caucus, right? It's a, it's a different kind of state that way. The caucus process is a little different. That was 12%. You know, people, you know, I, media puts out this, you're up by 4,782 points. I'm like, wait a minute, I, what? I, you know, I, they're, they're, I, it's like they're trying to get our guys to stay home so that when yes. you win by 20 points, you win by 15 points in what would historically be a drubbing they say, look, there's blood in the water. And then, you know, the people start donating to Nikki Haley. Uh, you know, people forget, you know, Ron DeSantis has been living in Iowa. You know, they spent uh, like $200 million in basically, and essentially what's a one-state campaign to try to overperform there. Like, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I'm not, you know, once they got to know his personality, I don't think it matters that much. But, but like, you, you, you can't. Uh, you can't forget that. They've been on TV ad nauseum. I, I was there a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's like every commercial was, you know, for for him. And it's like nonsense, but it it doesn't matter. It influences people that aren't necessarily paying as much attention to politics, though, you know, hopefully they're waking up with that. So, yeah, everyone's got to show up. The faster we sort of, you, you have a, a big win in Iowa, you go on to another big win, you then finish off Nikki Haley in South Carolina, like in her former home state, you go focus on Biden because that's the objective. Uh, the problem is it feels like the objective for so much of the Republican, you know, let's call it the consultant class, is to drag out a primary forever because they know they're not getting hired by our campaign. And if their campaign is no longer in it, you know, that's their meal ticket. I, I, I understand that. It's a crappy part of the process, but like, let's end this thing once and for all now. Yeah, and, and obviously a big win in Iowa uh, by, you know, not only getting over 50%, um, but I think also beating that record of 12 points uh, sets the tone and, you know, obviously on in New Hampshire, on to South Carolina. 
and, you know, on in Nevada and then Super Tuesday. So, you know, I think we'll, we'll you know, we will do our part here in Iowa. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we're taking anything for granted, but I, anybody that is supporting a father here in Iowa needs to understand no matter how cold it is, no matter how windy, no matter if, if you know, there's already snow on the ground here, we're going to get another five inches to a foot on Friday. Um, you know, show up. Uh, we'll take care of you. Yeah, I have a feeling the Trump vote is probably a little tougher than the uh, yeah. the, the Rhino voter. So you you guys have no excuses, okay? I, I I'll be there, uh, you know, on Monday as well. And I live in Florida, where let's just say uh, my tolerance for the cold has greatly diminished. Okay, and so if I can handle it, you guys can handle it. Get out there and show up. <laughs> I'm guessing you have a fur coat of some animal you've shot somewhere <laughs> I, that's warm enough. Just to really drive the left grade, I should get like a bear, uh, you know, wear a bear skin rug just to really, you know, watch the libs lose their freaking minds. But I may, yeah, I may, if I haven't already, I may have to make one of those just, just for caucus purposes. Uh, but hey, Matt, awesome. talk a little bit about the uniqueness of Iowa. Uh, you know, you, you actually see sort of a lot of pride of the voters in having a caucus as opposed to a more traditional uh, thing I, you know, I remember this in 16 you know we get there I'm like I don't even know what a caucus is so you know when they started Russia 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 the collusion I'm like uh, dude we, we couldn't collude to order a cheeseburger like let alone with Russia we had like I, I show up to the Iowa caucus I'm like so what exactly is this uh, but there is a sort of unique pride there talk about that a little bit yeah well I mean it, it goes back I think you know back to you know, 1976 and Jimmy Carter decided he was going to participate in the Iowa caucuses, which again is the party organizing uh, function where we elect, you know, delegates to the county and the district conventions. It's the activists, right? It's the base of the base, the people that are that are party uh, faithful. And and he figured out how to win that and he got some momentum out of that. And it really took off after that. You know, Reagan in 80, um, you know, uh, like I said, Bob Dole won in 88. Uh, and then, you know, sort of, a, you know, Mike Huckabee became a phenomenon when he won here. Uh, he's obviously a great supporter of your father and, and a good friend of, of all of us. Uh, and so it's just but I think a, a lot of it is it, it brings the candidates to Iowa and you can't just run a media campaign. You can't just be on TV. You have to, you know, go to these towns, meet everyone. The famous saying I always have is, you know, I'll talk to a lot of Iowa. What do you think of? This candidate, like I don't know, I've only met him three times, and it's it's very much a hands-on process. You'll end up with somewhere between 150 and 200,000 caucus goers, uh, which is not a big number, but it's you know it's a legit yeah. number in a state of three million. And and it's again, people, I think there's a very discerning political class here that you know that that can judge candidates and judge their medal, ask all the questions, lots of town halls. You know, your dad loves taking questions. I mean, he pours into the crowd and shakes every hand that wants to and signs every autograph. And and I just think there's a tradition here uh, that you can't do in big states. You couldn't do this in Florida. You couldn't do this in California. You couldn't do this in New York. Uh, and really, so Iowa is just, you know, it's the right size to to get an up close and personal view of these candidates and see what they're really made of and, and see if you can trust them. Look them in the eye and ask them a question. And that is something that, you know, is very rare in the modern age. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember that in 16. They're like, hey, Don, can you go to like literally middle of nowhere? And like, there's going to be four people at, you know, a, a pizza ranch. I'm like, yeah. really? Like uh, now uh, it, it actually created that sort of trust. I actually had a lot of fun in the process. It was uh, it, it was much more real. Uh, yeah, I think you said it best. It's not you can't just do it, uh, you know, by flooding the airwaves with attack ads and stuff like that. You do have to be present. You do have to do that. You, you have to be there. You shake that hand. And that created a lot of trust, I think. 
we, we probably needed a lot more of that in 16 when they didn't know. They're like, right, this is like the brash billionaire from New York. Like he's really gonna be with us on, on the issues. Uh, you know, I don't know that you need it as much now. I think they, they see that we are, but what are the issues uh, when you talk to, you know, Iowa caucus goers uh, that there are at the top of people's minds right now. Talk about uh, yeah, talk about what you think those primary issues are. Are there any surprises in there, or is it sort of you know uh, across the board right now with the economy and the border? Yeah, yeah it's economy and the border. I think it's also um, just you know a, 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 a patriotism. You know what what Joe Biden has done to America and 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 how uh, you know the the lack our fellow citizens, but internationally, you know, I think Donald Trump was uh, a great ambassador for the country. You know, he stood for what America, you know, kind of that John Wayne character that sort of yeah. just is unafraid uh, to take on the big challenges to face our country. And, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge in 16 and in 17, when, when we came in to the, to the admin is that we had a lot of people like, uh, Paul Ryan, for example, as Speaker of the House, and others that worked actively against us that were supposed to be our fellow Republicans. I think a lot of those folks have been shuttled off to the wayside. I think we have a lot more MAGA folks uh, that are ready, willing, and able to make a huge difference this next time around. And I think that's going to make your, your father even more effective as president. Yeah, it feels like a lot of this is really also like the last stand of the rhino. Uh, you know, you, you you win this. It's it's a mandate. Even those in D.C. who are going to be reluctant, uh, it's, it's a little different. You know, you, you also have Donald Trump with four years of experience. He knows who the people are that are real, and he knows who the snakes are. That's a lot harder to do in 16. I mean, you, you know, the plum book, the book that you know, all the jobs sort of appointed and put in there by the president, it's 4,000 jobs, right? Like, I don't think I know 4,000 people, let alone people good enough to put in those jobs that are actually MAGA as opposed to, you know, oh, no, look, this is the tweet I put up 20 minutes ago before my job interview. I'm really MAGA. And you go back, you know, a year and you realize, like, eh, probably not. Wow. Um, I think that's a lot different now. And I think I think they that scares them a lot more because they understand that you'll get much more of a MAGA agenda because of it. No, you're right. And I think that's going to be the most important thing is the personnel uh, and the people in these spots. And I think it's, at the end of the day, I'd be happy with a loyal but skeleton crew uh, yeah. that's willing to do the agenda. Because uh, I, you know, I mean, obviously at the Department of Justice, there were all sorts of people that were proactively working against our agenda, whether it was, you know, on immigration and the immigration courts, whether it was on, you know, uh, religious liberty, for example, is a, is a big issue that we worked really hard in the first Trump administration. So there's, I think there's a lot of issues that, that, that we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and do. And, 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 and it just, you know, personnel is, is going to be policy and we need to make sure we got great people in all the important roles and even unimportant roles, because those, those people yeah. can, can, can throw sand in the gears too. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta go across the board. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, what, what do you see as that day one agenda for my father when he gets back into office uh, and, and maybe, you know, specifically as it relates to the Department of Justice. I mean, you obviously, you know it intimately. Uh, you understand uh, how badly it's been subverted and how weaponized it's become. Uh, you know, talk about all those things, but maybe specifically the Department of Justice, because, you know, obviously that's your bailiwick. Yeah, I think so much of it is just getting the Department of Justice back to the blocking and tackling of, of law enforcement and doing 
the things that they should be doing and staying away from the things that they have no business sticking their nose in. Are you saying you don't think that the Department of Justice should be Joe Biden's personal uh, defense fund, uh, as as well as the Democrat Party's uh, attack dog against all of their political uh, opposition? Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, uh, just making sure. I, I was like, that sounds crazy almost to me at this point, uh, given, given what we've yeah. witnessed. Yeah, and I, you know, I, the Department of Justice obviously just it, it has its hands in it. I mean, as the you know the lawyers for the admin uh, and for the president, you know, at, at OLC, for example, you know, you you are the ones that say what's what's legal and what's not legal. You know, you're again it's priorities. I think we got to get back, you know, to uh, spending a lot of time uh, on crime in our major cities. I think we're going to have to somehow figure out a way to uh, work with our police chiefs in these major cities uh, and 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 help these these folks that are just, you know, I mean, Washington D.C. for example, and and I know that you know that President Trump has a has a plan for Washington D.C. But you know, a thousand carjackings last year, one uh, three every day. Carjackings, people being shot and killed, and I mean that's that's something that I think we should address. Uh, and and it's the it's the kind of the bread and butter law enforcement issues that that the Department of Justice needs to get back to and quit you know worrying about you know fighting the culture wars and 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 all the things that they're currently doing. And, and you know it's, it's just it's 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 really ridiculous what the Department of Justice has become under Merrick Garland and Joe Biden. But, you know, but they have been very entrenched, right? In, in the swamp, you have those political appointees. Uh, they can be fired in a new administration. But, you know, what can you really do to take on the entrenched career bureaucrats? You know, they were put in positions that aren't necessarily appointed positions. You know, other people take care of them. They promote them through the ranks. Uh, and they have been there weaponizing you know, a party ideology, but they're not necessarily one of those appointees. What do you do to take care of those entrenched career bureaucrats? How do you get them out? Yeah, I mean, again, you have you have to set the agenda and set the expectation that everybody's going to sing from this, the same hymnal. These are this is the agenda of the president. These are lawful and ethical, uh, uh, you know, ideas and policies that we're going to put in place. And then, you know, if people aren't willing to do that, you know, you have to be willing to uh, you know, get them away uh, from from hurting anything, but at the same time, uh, you know there are there are some other authorities uh, and hiring that you can do. But I think the first thing we're going to have to do, Don, is find out who uh, this administration, current administration, the Biden administration, burrowed in into these spots that yeah. were politicals, and now they're making them careers and 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 undo those because those are the most dangerous people. And we saw that after eight years of Obama. I, I, I think many- that was that was the one thing, perhaps you know, at least, you know, not well. I think it's terrible for our country, but for you know purposes of turning us into a communist shithole, uh, Obama was very good at that, and 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 actually you know did that incredibly well for again uh, for all the wrong things for America, but you know d- definitely definitely effective for for pushing the cause of Marxism. Yeah, and, and I think it also, um, you know, my experience, there were examples that I could point to that folks uh, were burrowed in from the Obama administration, and then there were folks in the Trump administration that wanted to do similar, for example, become an uh, AUSA uh, in a U.S. attorney's office, and they were prevented from doing that because it was, you know, the 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 careers determined they were too political. So I think I think there is a you know again a a, a roll up your sleeves and figure this out. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
you find your your merry band of people that believe in the president's agenda and you go accomplish that agenda and you lead, follow, or get out of the way. Well, you know, we'll look forward to having you back in there as well doing just that. But so, Iowa's Monday. Give us the final pitch. What's the closing pitch for Iowa? What's at stake? Give us the details for those of you in Iowa or with family in Iowa or friends in Iowa. You know, how do they do it? Where can Iowans go to learn more? What's the last pitch? Because, you know, again, we always we need a call to action with all of these things, whether it's sort of supporting the businesses that are anti-woke and the stuff we talk about on the show this much. You know, we're, we're chipping away. But, what, you know, what's that last pitch for Iowa? Where do people go so well, they can participate? The last, the last pitch is if you have any connection to somebody that's a resident of Iowa, uh, reach out to them and tell them to caucus for Donald J. Trump. Uh, you know, the caucus process Go to ia.donaldjtrump.com. That's where you can find all the information, including where to caucus. Um, uh, it will you know, enter your address and it tells you where to go. Show up before seven o'clock, between six and seven o'clock. Make sure you're registered uh, to vote. Make sure you're checked in and then participate in the meeting. It'll be called to order by a temporary chair and then you'll elect a treasurer, a chairman and a, a uh, a secretary, and you'll conduct a meeting, and everyone will have every candidate will have a chance to make a short speech, usually less than three minutes. I think I'm speaking on behalf of Donald Trump at Ankeny 10, uh, our 10th uh, precinct caucus in Ankeny, my home city, and then we will go about voting, and we'll we'll pass you know platform items, we'll elect people to the county and and district convention, and so it, it's. It's a fun time. It's a good time. Usually, you know, the the voting straw poll, all that will be done within an hour. Uh, and, you know, if you want to stay for the rest, you can. If you don't, that's fine. But, you know, it's a classic meeting. There's a pledge and a prayer and it's it's America. And that's yeah, what no, I love. It's pretty cool. It. The only part I, you know, I have a hard time with is when they're like, you have three minutes to make it. I'm like, three minutes? Like, I... Give me, you give me a mic. I'm a Trump. I want like 45 minutes. I, you know, I will, I will entertain. We'll have some fun. So they'll, they'll probably be pulling me off with the hook because I know I'll be there. So, okay. So guys, yeah, pass that on. Anyone you know that's a resident of Iowa, ia.donaldjtrump.com. Uh, you know, it'll get you all the information that you need. Uh, be there. Show up. Don't sit it out. I don't care if it's cold. Uh, it, it'll be a lot worse. Uh, and, and a lot colder for a lot longer period of time if the Democrats win this thing and are able to push the nonsense that they're pushing. So we, we just have to partake. We have to be involved. Uh, and, and we have to get this thing done and end it sooner rather than later so that we have the resources to take on the entire Democrat machine and, you know, and the billionaire donor class and big tech and mainstream media. And, you know, that's no small task. So let's end this thing quick by winning resoundedly uh, in Iowa on Monday. So uh, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, I hope to see you uh, again on Monday. I think we'll have we'll have a good time, but uh, we'll, they'll probably split us up because we got to divide and conquer on this one. We'll come together after the caucuses close and the results are being put in, and it'll be good. Good All to right, spend some time. That's perfect, man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Again, Done. look forward to it, guys. We'll see you in a little bit. Okay, guys. So with that, thanks so much. Everyone in Iowa, make sure you're turning up to caucus on Monday. Get it done. Don't have apathy. Don't sit back on your butt. Let's go win this thing. Guys, make sure you're liking, you're sharing, you're subscribing. I see how many people are watching. I'm watching. It is not lined up with the likes, and I don't think there's quite as many trolls on there uh, as the Delta. 
So make sure you're liking it. That's how we beat the algorithm. That's how we get the message out there. Also, make sure you're sharing this with your friends so they see about it, that they learn about it. Don't forget to check us out. Also, if you go to Spotify or iTunes podcast, if you get your podcast that way, if you're traveling, if you're in the car and you want to listen that way, you can do that. We'll download the episodes there. Make sure you share that as well. And also, guys, last but not least, and this is what keeps us going, other than you guys and your viewership, go check out our incredible sponsors, okay? Go check out The Wellness Company, a leading provider in emergency medical kits. We saw what happens with COVID, the lockdowns, the Fauci failures. It's hard to get what you need in a time of crisis. With The Wellness Company's emergency medical kit, you're empowered to take control of your health. The kit has everything you need, eight life-saving medications, along with a guidebook for safe use, so you know how to take care of yourself. Whether it's a tick bite to COVID to extreme public health outbreaks, every scenario is covered. So make sure you can take care of your family's health needs. Go to twc.health slash triggered, twc.health slash triggered for a 15% discount on the emergency medical kit. That's twc.health slash triggered. Get 15% off. Take care of yourself. Have that for when you need it. It's always better to uh, have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And honestly, these days it feels more and more like we're going to need it. So also... Guys, take control of your financial well-being, not just your health, by checking out the great folks over at GoldCo. Uh, the same economic warning signs we've been complaining about are here. Inflation, reckless spending, global turmoil. I'm sure people are going to step in and make it worse to try to boost the Democrats, and eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. Go check out GoldCo. They have top-notch customer service. They'll answer all of your questions, how to hedge your portfolio, your savings from the insanity of what's going on. They're going to educate you. They're going to walk you through the whole process. Go to donjuniorgold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R gold.com to learn more, to educate yourself so that you can make the right decision for your family. D-O-N-J-R gold.com. Learn more. You guys are the best. Thanks, and uh, we will see you uh, on Monday from Iowa.